0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you
0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. This week we'll hear exclusively from England Test Captain Ben Stokes as he reflects on his first few months in the role and looks ahead to next week's three-match Test series against South Africa. Stuart Broad discusses Ollie Robinson's return to the Test squad and we catch up with England's World Cup-winning captain Owen Morgan. Hugh Turberville, editor of the Cricketer magazine, joins us to discuss Richard Thompson's appointment as the new ECB chair. And England captain Nat Siver talks about cricket at the Olympics after Team England missed out on a medal at the Commonwealth Games. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2. Okay, homie, let's start with the England squad. Ollie Robinson is uh, the one addition. So, um no surprises. We weren't expecting any surprises. And it uh, it <laughs> from a bowling point of view, it looks like it's all down to Jimmy and Brodie once again.
2: Yeah, it is. It's it's amazing. We've we've had so many uh, selection panels, so many coaches, so many backroom staff try to finish Jimmy and Brodie off. <laughs> if it wasn't for the two of them this year, we would have been in some place. I've got no idea what England would have done if Broad and Anderson had retired at the end of last season because we have to keep going back to them. And why? Because they're bowling fit. They are bowling fit. And, you know, it sound like an old broken record again, time after time after time, talking about bowlers not bowling enough to keep fit. Well, we've just seen Broaden-Anderson, and they were at a 100 game last week, commentating on it. And two hours before the game, they're bowling to a, to a, a net, basically, on the nursery ground at Hampshire, just to keep their bowling volume up because they know what it takes to get better and be the the bowlers that they need to be for test match standard and unfortunately some of our younger bowlers think bowling four overs in a hit and giggle is going to be enough to get me ready for a test match and then the breakdown and can't understand that
0: how often did you do that 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 video is amazing of uh, of the two of them just bowling as you said at a set of stumps in the in a net how often did you do that did you ever do ever find yourself preparing by yourself
2: bowling at an empty net? Yeah, quite a bit. At, at Ashington, I used to do all the time because I live 45 minutes away from Chester Street, and if, if there was a game on that I wasn't allowed to play in, because there was quite a few games that I wasn't allowed to play in from <laughs> from Duncan. To be fair, you know, when when the central contracts were around then, you were all playing or none of you were playing, and there were a few of our my former colleagues who quite liked going off to holiday. I was playing on in, in golfing trips on uh, in between test matches so you know some of us that asked to play couldn't play um so you had to improvise and living so far away from Chester, Chester Street I didn't see the point of driving all the way through to get 20 minute bowling you know so I, I used to just go to Ash and Craig club stick the net on the side and and bowl on one of the pitches that had been used at the weekend and you had to that was That was something you you just had to do and that's why broad and anderson have have stayed durable for for so long and i think a mess and this is probably why ollie robinson's been picked in this in the, in the the two squads um so they don't want him to play the 100 i think the lifestyle that goes with playing in the 100 is a lot of travel the social side is i think quite nice and i think the volume of cricket when it comes to preparation and then in game time is not a great deal so I think the the selection panel at the ECB have done a really good thing by putting him in the England squads um, so they can manage what he does and how he goes about. This boy's got so much talent. He really has. But unfortunately, he's got to be durable to bowl 25 overs at the same speed because he hasn't got any pace. Um, his skill levels are through the roof, really high skill level. His accuracy is, is very, very good. Challenges the inside and outside of batsmen's inside and outside edge of the bat from a good height and he bowls that fuller length so there's no issues with his skill level it's just his durability and his ability to perform for a long period and that's something i think england will want to manage and hopefully get up to speed ready for whenever he's required but i don't think
3: you'll play in the first test
0: Okay, let's hear from Stuart Broad. He was talking about Ollie Robinson, amongst other things, a little earlier this week.
3: I watched him at um, his first game back at Trent Bridge last week. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's an incredible bowler. He's got he's got all the attributes you'd want. He's just struggled a little bit with his with his fitness, and I think um, you know his back's been he's been sort of having back spasms at the start of game and stuff. And but the, but there is such a, diff- a leap. Yeah. from first-class cricket to test cricket and the intensity the expectation uh you know you've got to come back for your third spell with the same drive and and pace as you did with your first and it's just take it can take different people different mm-hmm. time to be able to react to that and adjust to that but he's got every attribute you'd want in a in a fast bowler for test match cricket as you can see his record after eight tests is absolutely sublime so his next move is making sure that he's basically available to bowl because if you're not available to be on the park you're not going to take wickets mm-hmm. but he has all the ability to to be able to win test matches for england
4: we've we've got uh... Skip we're on tomorrow. We've got Ben Stokes on the, on tomorrow, and uh, yeah, I mean, life must be exciting at the moment with uh, with him and Brendan McCullum. I, mean, I was reading one thing; they're saying no longer do we have the night watchman in in Basball. You're the night hawk, Stuart. You come in there and and have a <laughs> bit of a night thrash hawk. about. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a different
3: a different discipline it, now. It, it sort of started. It's, a, it's sort of completely made up, to be honest. But it sort of started <laughs> at uh, at Trent Bridge. I was sat there, you know, Joe Root, Great Hundred, Ollie Pope, Great Hundred. And uh, Baz came to me in the change room. just made myself a nice coffee. And he went, uh, Brody, get your pads on. So mm-hmm. I'm like, what? He's like, um, I want you to go in next. So, again, I reacted with amazing surprise. And he said, I feel like the crowd is my home ground at Nottingham. He said, I feel like the crowd are just a bit quiet. I want you to go out and try and hit your first ball for four. Wow. And then if you get out after that, I don't mind because you've given the crowd a lift. And that was just an insight into his mentality. you know. So, where the Nighthawk came from, we were at... Um, we're at Edgbaston, mm. uh, and normally you have a night watchman with 20 minutes to go to protect the, the next sort of quality batter. Mm. And uh, he came to me with 40 minutes to go in the chase. You know, we needed another 300 or 270, and he said, do you fancy going? So I was like, well, uh, uh, um, yeah, yeah I'll, uh, I'll go for it, <laughs> coach, you know, I'll try and impress you. Uh, and he said, basically, try and whack me 20, try and knock 20 off the scoreboard as quickly as you can. And he said, attack the enemy when they're sleeping. This <laughs> is where the Nighthawk <laughs> came from. So I got my pads on with the only aim to try and whack it for twenty minutes. Um and if I got out it was fine. And uh I think he's he's had an amazing ability to take pressure off players. So you see the likes of Johnny has just come out and actually sort of said, Look, if you get caught on the boundary, I prefer that to getting caught at slip. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing that the sort of talent of the likes of Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow can then go and implement what they've got in the locker. Uh with their with their minds so free, so it's uh, it's been an incredible start to the Test match uh, summer with the four Test wins, and you know it's our job to entertain and and do it again for 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 August. Um, yes. But I think you know it's uh, it's been a, it's been an amazing turnaround, hasn't it, with mm. the mentality of the Test match team, um, and it's been it's been really deliberate. It's been really deliberately positive it's been um all the messaging all the language in the changing room from Stokesy and Baz has been incredible in in how uh forward thinking and how you take the game forward I basically try and take the draw out the game completely Mm. we want to win at all costs and if we lose trying to win that's fine you know so I'd be interested to sort of pick his brain on how he how he came up and him and Baz came up with changing that mentality so quickly and just making sure that they're speaking that language all the time.
0: Stuart Broad speaking to Paul Hawksby and uh, Charlie Baker on Talk Sport. A couple of other questions for you. Um, Zach Crawley, uh, his first class career average has now dropped below 30. Um, His last innings against India was a very, very good one. But um, is there still a spotlight being shone on his place, his inclusion?
2: Absolutely. Uh, There's no sugar in that. He he is under pressure. He's probably the one, the biggest one in that group that is under the most pressure. And when things don't go, you know, when things aren't going for you, it tends to highlight, you know, little minor mistakes, a little rub of the green that you don't get, and that magnifies it. So Zach knows he's under pressure. Um, He can't hide away from that. And especially with, you look at the Lions team, there's a lot of talk of Jennings, Sibley, Duckett, Duckett's just got to come off the back of um, a big double hundred, so there is pressure out there. But I think McCollum and Stokes back Zach Crowley, his ability, and they feel as though because he's he's got so much potential, they want to give him every chance they possibly can to before they they have to to move on and look elsewhere. So the Lions Zach Crawley doesn't need dumb, dumb Sibley keaton jennings or ben duckett to go and get a big hundred against south africa but if they do that might not be a bad thing for zach going into the first test because he knows he's playing and when you sometimes when players are under pressure they come out and they perform and Zach's got, i think he's the one that's got to do that
0: there's a lot of interest actually in the lions team there's probably yeah. more interest in the the performances of them um than, than of the England team um, because they're obviously very settled. Um, Harry Brook, Craig Overton, Dan Lawrence, all got a point to prove. Ollie Robinson's got to come through that as well. Sam Billings will captain the team. And uh, Will Jacks, he's another very, very exciting talent. So uh, I tell you what, that's a it's a good-looking team.
2: It is, it is. I like the, the, the top four, the top five probably will be. Jen and Sibley, Duckett brooke then then lawrence that's a good that's an internet well it's an international five i think i think england would if had loads and loads of injuries would would have these in their group i think if they picked an 18-man squad to go away in the winter two or two or possibly three of them will out of that five will be in that 18-man squad to go to either pakistan or to new zealand so it's a strong unit billings has played test cricket this year i'm intrigued and interested to see how patterson white goes we talk about spin and whether England go with, whether the Lions go with a, a Connors or or a, a Sam Cooke, probably to back up, I would imagine Craig Overton will play and, and Ollie Robinson will play. So from that, there, the balance, like you say, Jacks will be bat six, possibly. And you think that's not a bad side, that, to go against South Africa. So South Africa will be pleased. I think Mark Boucher will be really pleased at that side because he knows... He's not playing like Leicester's second team or Derbyshire's third team. He's playing against a very good side. The week before a Test match, so I think it's a win-win for everybody I'm concerned in, in in the in the game down at Canterbury. I think it is.
0: It is. Um, it was very interesting to me that uh, the the South African Test specialists only arrived in Canterbury on Sunday. Um, I thought that many of them would have uh, been. I don't know, come over a little bit earlier and, and, and played some club cricket but um, they've all got together uh, on Sunday for, for the game, um, the four-day game which starts on Tuesday. This is Mark Boucher talking about South Africa's chances in the Test Series. We know the way that Engle- the England guys have been playing. I don't see them changing at all. Uh, there's no science to it. I think that you've got to be quite artistic in the way that you go about things, um, see the conditions and, 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 and sort of adapt accordingly. So. You know, we believe that we've got a strong test set up, especially our bowling attack. Um, so, yeah, if our batters can can get some good time in the middle in the next couple of days and, and get into some good form, I think it's going to stand us in good stead with the test going test matches going forward. I think it should be a, a good test series as well. We've got some good momentum going into the test series, which I think is important. Um, and, and the confidence is 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 definitely there in the, in the dressing room at the moment. Mark Bouch never gave much away as a player, and he doesn't as a coach, um, but... I do think that uh you know, there are a number of key battles. Um but uh, but the the key, the most key for me, is Broaden and Anderson against South Africa's um top order because Sarah Levere, the opening left handed opener, um obviously got Dean Algar, who's a very, very um experienced campaigner and uh and you know, he's proven proven quality. But you've got Sarah Levere, who's played less than ten Test matches, as has Keegan Peterson at number three. Probably going to have Rassie der Dussen at four, and um, again the number five slot, Ryan Rickleton, is inexperienced, very, very, very talented. But that, to me, is going to be the key. It's uh, you know South Africa have the potential to be fifty for four.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's obviously that's what Broad and Anderson will be will be hoping for that little bit of luck that goes there. When, and I'm talking about luck going there way, when the when the conditions to bowl. So if Cloud comes over, there is a little bit of movement and all of a sudden Broad and Anderson will lick their lips, I think, at, at South Africa's sort of top three, top four. I would say a huge amount of pressure on Dean Elgar to hold the whole thing together, but he's a fantastic performer. He's somebody who who absorbs the game quite well um, and he's very, very good at sort of putting fires out if Anderson and Broad got on a roll. we've seen a couple of times in South Africa he did that, so... It's going to be interesting to see the older guard go head to head. Keegan Peterson played a bit at Durham. I don't think he enjoyed his time over here. I think he had a real struggle. I think more to settle in. I think, um, but who would enjoy settling in <laughs> in the northeast of England sometimes? And it's when it's freezing cold. But I think he had a. I think he had a real struggle with with being over here as, as the overseas player. But Ryan Rickleton's batted really well for for Northampton. They've got some exciting players. It's just. If England get the conditions that are favourable to the bowlers, then, then you'd back England to, to really put South Africa's top order under pressure.
0: And I just want to say that if South Africa have the potential to be 50 for 4, so do England. So do England, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> Kahisa Rabada, Enric Nokia, Marco Jansen, Lungi and Gidi. I can see both teams being 50 for 4
2: very I, easily. I'm talking about five-day test matches, if, if the bowlers get it in the right areas throughout this three-test series, then, yeah, we, you could be having a few days <laughs> off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll look back at uh, the, the A-team game, the, the Lions game, on next week's show, as well as building up to England's three-test series against South Africa, which starts on Wednesday. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. As promised, it's time now to hear from England test captain Ben Stokes, who joined Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs over on TalkSport last week to reflect on his first few weeks in the role and look ahead to the test series against South Africa.
5: It's been an amazing start. You know, we played some great cricket over these four Test matches. We've got a big three games coming up here against South Africa, and if anything, there I feel they're more important than these first four games because those four games were so close together, and they just sort of you just rolled into the next game with the same energy and confidence. You know, now we've obviously had quite a big break in between the India Test match and the South Africa games. It's really important that we almost take a step back and go back to how we finished off that block of test matches and continue that mindset, the attitude and, and everything that we brought. And honestly, one of my main things and one of my major points to the team was let's just go out there and have as much fun as we possibly can in there's 11 because you're playing for England, you represent your country, you're playing in front of thousands of live audience plus the people on the TV. You know, If you can't enjoy this moment, whatever's going on, I don't know. Just take a step back and just enjoy it for what it is, and then the results will look after itself. Because you know, if we if we play good cricket, we're going to win. If we don't play good cricket, we're going to lose. It's as simple as that. But let's just enjoy it.
4: Stuart was telling us yesterday, Ben, that the the, the positivity in the dressing room that you and and, and Brendan McCullum have instilled. He said he's very noticeable, and the, the mindset of the players when they go out to play currently for the Test side. And uh, he's been really taken by that. And I mean, it, it, and he was sort of saying to us, he still doesn't quite know. Did you kind of sit down one day, you and Brendan McCullum, and say, okay, let's have a blueprint? Or did it just come out of your conversations? Or did you both come to it saying, this is what we both want to do? So you, your ideas matched?
5: No, I wouldn't say me and Brendan are um, uh, people who get out a pen and paper and write down everything that goes on. You just sort of speak from the heart and go with, you know, sort of what, what your heart tells you. But, I guess me and Brendan, we want to really install a winning mentality into everybody who comes and represents England. And that's whatever situation we find ourselves in. How can we do something that's going to help us win a Test match? Whether that be you know, bowling a team out in 40 overs on day five, or whether that be chasing 350 and 60 overs. You know, It's all about winning. Because for me personally, at this moment in time, I would much rather lose a Test match trying to win the game than go the other way if that makes sense Hmm. Um, because if you're trying to always win the game you're installing that positivity and that mentality for for everyone to to try and be winners every time they step out there and try and take the positive step towards the game and if you lose trying to do that that's absolutely fine because you're trying to to be positive and sport is is yes it is about winning but it's also about the style in which you want to be remembered of how you play and I think what we've managed to do over these four games is almost just send the message to, to other teams who are, who are going to play us, is that this is how they're going to play the cricket. They're going to have to think a hell of a lot more about their tactical decision-making over the five days. Because, um, you know, we've chased four mm. totals now of, you know, very high totals. Mm. And one at Trent Bridge, very, you know, an unbelievable chase set up by Johnny Burstow. So yeah, I think teams sort of know what we're going to come up with, and it, also, it almost puts the, the the ball in their court mm-hmm. to make a decision about what they're going to do, especially if we're going to be chasing a total in the fourth innings.
4: Another one of Brendan's uh, philosophies is to give players a, a decent go before writing them off, and something us in the media mm-hmm. don't do me particular, but it's true. But it's got to be good that because it, a player will, will go with confidence, won't they? If they think if, if a player's thinking if I don't make runs here, I'm out, or if I don't get a wicket, I'm out, you know, so it's probably a good <laughs> philosophy that.
5: Oh, honestly, like yes, I'm I'm of the opinion that you give people time to perform, not put them under pressure to perform in a short amount of time to keep the place. You know, when we when we got back to the start of the summer and we picked the squad before the first test match was played, you know, we picked those players because we all thought they were the best players in the given positions. And, you know, we've got a summer of, you know, for seven test matches in total. And seven test matches is, you know, an opportunity for people to go out and perform. You know, if you're if you're looking at you know, maybe looking in another direction after two or three games, you know, what kind of message does that send to the next person who comes in for an opportunity? Straight away, that's putting pressure on that person to feel like they've got to go out and score runs or someone else is going to get it looking. But I'm all about giving players time to perform, time to adapt to the new way of playing because it is so different to what we've been used to. So you've got to allow them time to have the confidence and, and believe that they can go out and perform but also perform in the way that me and Brendan want the team to play. There's
4: been a lot of talk as well, Ben, about the fact that at the moment it is going fantastically well. and We are chasing down these mad totals. It, it's it's fantastic to watch. It's very entertaining. But there will be days when it doesn't work and uh, we don't yeah. chase down the runs and we're out cheaply and we're quite gung-ho. I mean, I'm sure you and Brendan and the team are, are kind of prepared for that.
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's. I take you back to Lords when we bowled out New Zealand cheaply on... Uh, day one, and then we got bowled out cheaply in our second innings. <laughs> and Brendan's <laughs> first comment after that was, Well, we said we were going to be entertaining, didn't we? So we've certainly done that. <laughs> and, you know, so it's, it's, turning, it's trying to turn those negative plays of cricket into a positive. And he's got an amazing way of being able to do that. And then another example was Headingley when we were 55 for six people were wondering what we are going to do? And we, me and Brendan both said go out and put the pressure straight back onto them in this situation because it can't get any worse. <laughs> and so, you know, and then Jamie and Johnny went out and played an unbelievable counter-attacking partnership and we ended up getting a lead from 55 to 6 and that's purely because of the confidence that the lads get and are able to go out there with the bat in any situation. You know, it's all good and well going out and trying to whack it when you're 300 for two but, you know, can you do it 55 to 6? And mm-hmm. we... Gave the, the the lower order um, an opportunity to go out and do that, and you've seen how quickly the game turned around. Yeah. It's all about putting pressure back onto the team as much as you possibly can, but also understanding when you maybe need to soak up that pressure, but you're still doing it in a positive way.
4: And also, you've had I think you've had great support from Joe Root. It, it can't have been easy losing the captaincy or giving up the captaincy, whichever way you want to put it, you know, and still performing on the field, but also noticeably right behind you.
5: Oh, you know what? When I got when I took the job. Uh, he was the first person I called to say that I'm um, I'm taking the captaincy on. And I also had a quick chat with him about, you know, the way that I want to lead the team forward, um, obviously overtaking from him. And I guess it shows the respect in the relationship that me and Joe have outside of cricket. You know, we're more than just colleagues. You know, I explained to him that all of my philosophies that are sort of, you know, the complete opposite of the spectrum to what you had is not a... Um, sign that I didn't believe in what you wanted to do, because whatever he did, I, I, you know, I'd run through a brick wall for Joe. But to have a guy captain the England side for such a long period of time to buy into this new way of cricket is unbelievable, and it's a testament to himself as a as a person, let alone a player. We all know how good of a player Joe Root is, and to be honest, I didn't think a player of Joe could it could raise the ceiling or the standard of his bat any higher than he already has. But he's gone to another level in test match cricket now it's unbelievable seeing the way that he's played and he's got to take a lot of credit for for going out and being brave enough to play in that way considering he is he is and has been the rock of the english batting side for five six years now because we know if ruti does well the team generally does well but he's been brave enough to go out and play in the way that he's done so yeah it's unbelievable
4: The uh, you'll be aware of the fact that the, the way you guys are playing at the moment is being called Ball. I mean, what, what do you make of that? What does the team? What does Baz make of it himself? Does he like? It? Is he quite chuffed? No, he honestly he
5: does not like it. I, I, I don't know where it's came from. I don't know who came from that analogy, to be yeah. honest. But no, it's Bazball. It sounds like a knockoff version of baseball. <laughs> that's it? Like, I think that's <laughs> the idea. Really. Um, but it's no, I, I think it's it's just like it was, it was refreshing having someone like Brendan come in. You know, he's, he's not too long off finishing playing cricket himself. And he's just such a relatable guy. He's so relaxed, laid back. He's always trying to, to push people in the right direction. And people just follow him. People listen to him, which sometimes is a very hard thing to do as a coach, is to get not just the 11 guys out there who are playing, but also the whole squad to really buy into what you're doing. And he's managed to do it. But Baz I'm not sure... We would try and sign off on any copyright for that name.
4: No? <laughs> Johnny Bairstow decided to, to not play the hundred. He wants a bit of a break, physically and mentally. I think before South Africa, um, it was something you were going to do before you stepped away from white ball cricket. I mean, the boys are going to make decisions based on their own feelings, their own fitness, the way they they're feeling at the moment. What, what did you make of that?
5: Yeah, but look, I think you think of all the talk over the last couple. He is about test cricket dying, spot losing out to white balls, cricket, and franchise tournaments. There's people prioritizing test cricket now. You know, Johnny has chosen to take the 100 period as the time to have a break and a rest and just sort of get his energy back. And that's all because he knows that there's a test cricket series around the corner. So the people who are saying that test cricket's dying out, I don't think that's right because you're looking at players now who are prioritizing, you know, their, their schedule around test matches. Ollie Robinson is another. He stepped away from the hundred as well to concentrate on his workloads, get his fitness up, and and bowl longer spells. Because obviously you can't, you're not able to do that on the hundred. So, you're seeing guys now come in and really look at the schedule and go, "What do I need to do to make sure that I'm fit and firing to go for the test matches when they come around?" So, I couldn't be happier as test captain, and I also couldn't be happier as a as a huge test um also almost ambassador because it's. It's the best format of the game. It's Mm -hmm. the pinnacle of cricket. You know, test cricket will never die, and I hope it doesn't.
0: That was Ben Stokes uh, speaking to Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs over on Talk Sport. A lot has been made over the years about Ben Stokes' courage as a cricketer. He's taking that courage um, behind the microphone as well. I mean, I I think he's he's spoken more truths in his short time as England captain than many of his predecessors did in their careers.
2: Yeah, he's comfortable in speaking what he wants to speak, which is not normal for an England captain coming out of the ECB. I think it's safe to say that Ben and the ECB have had a chequered past, and that's not only putting it lightly, it's putting it as diplomatically as I possibly can do everybody knows my feelings on Ben Stokes. He's a wonderful human being, fantastic cricketer. And as a man, even I hold him in even higher regard. And when England met him captain, they didn't, they didn't have anybody else, but he was the right choice. But I think the ECB, people inside the towers, probably were, were making that decision off the back or, or with a thought of, this could be interesting. It could be Ben might, not always play and toe the party line of, of what the ECB want. And he, he certainly hasn't done that. and I don't think he will. And I think when you're talking about him speaking the truth, we didn't hear anything for ben, from Ben Stokes for probably for two or three years because of the stuff that was going on in Bristol. He couldn't really talk. And we missed a lot of some good gold stuff from Ben Stokes um, because he is forthright with his opinion. Um, and he and he a lot of the time he just speaks common sense and the tr- and the truth which you know sometimes people don't like and I think he's he's been excellent when he's cap when his captaincy he, he's been excellent in the media and he's said things that a lot of people not want him to hear not want to hear from him but actually what our you know cricket proper cricket fans are are thinking themselves the hundred has caused some damage you know we've got to protect red ball cricket we've got to try and make sure that. First-class cricket doesn't die. You know we've got to look at the schedule and the calendar. We're all saying that. We're everybody's saying that. But when it comes from the England captain's mouth, it becomes even more powerful. Um, and I think that in itself is is good for good for the game. We are going to get change undoubtedly. But we've got to be making change for the right reasons in cricket terms, because that will then reward financially at the back of it. If we start making change for financial reward then cricket might suffer. And I think that's what Ben's trying to say.
0: Yeah, it was a concern, wasn't it, when Claire Connor said that unpopular decisions would be made, strongly implying that there would be less red ball cricket. And and Ben very strong on uh, his belief that there shouldn't be less red ball cricket, um, that it should just be uh, properly organised. I like that that touch about uh, calling Joe Root when he was appointed as England captain. He was uh, Joe was one of the first people he called.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, look, I... They'll probably won't mind me having these these uh, saying these things in public, but a trade secret of the two of them. At the end of the test series in the Caribbean, there was, you know, we had a a, a, a little drink in a bar in the hotel, and somebody was singing "Simply the Best" on a karaoke, <laughs> and Ben Stokes is standing on a chair pointing at Joe Root, <laughs> and we are in the position of, and I remember coming away from that, I would actually I took them away from that, and um, I remember thinking if people think right joe root the ecb are going to sack joe root and give it to ben stokes they've got another thing coming there's no way he's going to take this job off the back of joe getting sacked because that's what everybody was expecting but when joe stood down probably joe convinced ben that it was the right thing for ben to take the job and these have been good friends i think we talked about to mention bristol a little bit earlier but through that whole whole saga that whole affair when ben couldn't speak in he knew one side of the story was, wasn't the portrayed story that was in the media. The one person that stuck by him through everything and looked after him was the England captain and Joe Root. So on that term, it was time for a little bit of payback and, and Ben will always, will be I would imagine, always be internally grateful for Joe. That's why they're really close.
0: Final thought, if you could roll the clock back, turn the clock back 15 years, I bet you'd have loved to play under Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes, wouldn't you?
2: I would, yeah, I would. Simply, I would. I just they, they played the brand of cricket that I love playing. I, I didn't fit into the Andrew Strauss where Me and Paul Collingwood fell out and didn't speak for a long period of time because we had different opinion of the way the game was played. They liked to, you know, somebody that bowled at 83, 84 mile an hour in and around off stomp with a ring field, two slips, one gully, third man. And we'll sort of, nutritional cricket, that's going to blast them out. I just, I, right, I've got no idea where this is going, so I'm going to bowl as fast as I possibly can. I want three or four slips, short leg, and if I go six and over, I go six and over, but I'm going to try and get you wickets. And if I get four or five, then great, I've gone. And you know, that's the way I looked at the game of cricket. 15 years later, Ben and Brendan come along and, I'm watching this and I'm going, I'd love to play it in this. I could, honestly, I'm sitting there and thinking, I wonder what fields I would have. I wonder what, I'd love to know what fields Ben Stokes would set for me that I didn't really know where it was going, but it was going at 90 mile an hour and it was going down fast. It is, honestly, it's, some of it has been breathtaking, but it's been exciting. I'm not saying he's got to rein it in, but I think there's, I think once he's digested what he's had over the first sort of four, four test matches, I think there will be little things that he will pick up on, just to make him a better captain and a better leader with a better with the team, be, trying to get better. Um, but it's been a it's been a great roller coaster and one I think will continue through South Africa.
0: You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport Two. With me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Still to come in part three, we'll hear exclusively from England's World Cup winning captain Owen Morgan. But next up. We'll discuss Richard Thompson's appointment as the new ECB chair and what that means for the game in this country. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
3: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare.
2: PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism.
0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the one and only Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available, as always, via the free TalkSport app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm delighted to say, as promised, we're joined by the editor of the Cricketer magazine, Hugh Turberville, to talk about the appointment of Richard Thompson as the new ECB chair. I have to say, the first uh, point to make is that it has been very very um well received um to wider claim um and that in itself is a is a rare thing i can't, I can't remember a more popular appointment of an administrator in the england game um and uh, hugh please explain could, if you if you can what is it that uh that people are expecting from richard thompson
6: business acumen he's and also a man absolutely steeped in the game at all levels i mean Funnily enough, I live in Carsulton and he used to run Carshulton Cricket Club and uh, oversaw a merger with Croydon Gas and then went off to Oxshott Cricket Club. So he's he's a player, he's played the game. He has he left school at 16 and uh, by 30 he'd sort of made his fortune. Uh, he's worked in in media, he he runs MC Sarchy Merlin. Uh, so he's got an independent business background, a little bit like Lord McLaurin. Um, did with um, Vodafone. So that's kind of that sort of similar appointment. And then he's gone to Surrey and overseen an incredibly impressive sort of decade where they've just gone from strength to strength, albeit um, the COVID was a, was a, a hampered them because of their corporate activities. But um, we all know that uh, Surrey are the financial juggernaut of the county game. And um, yeah, steeped in cricket business. Background in you know running running a cancer cricket club, not bringing the politics into it yet. But um, but but that but that is a very good CV, isn't it? An impressive CV.
2: Yeah, he is. I think he's a a good man, and he, he not only is he a, a very very good businessman, he's a he's a nice man to boot. But will he have ever walked into an organisation like the ECB because 350 employees, you know, they say they're hard up when it comes to cash. You've got four competitions that no idea what the scheduling is going to look like in however many months, years' time. This is a this is a tough job for Richard Thompson.
6: Incredibly tough. This is a... Um, oh, it's a quagmire, isn't it? I mean, I mean, four into three doesn't go. Well, that was the view of our cover of our cricketer magazine a few months ago. I don't know whether you agree with it or not, but, um, you know, there's, there's probably one competition too many. Some say get rid of the blast. Some say get rid of the hundred. We know that Richard Thompson was against the 100. We know that Surrey didn't need the 100, didn't want the 100. Um you know, they fill their seven home blast games uh, easily 20,000 plus crowds. They make a lot of money from it. It wasn't aimed at Surrey the 100 was it. If you know it, if you accept that there were valid reasons for the 100 then Surrey didn't need it and it came for, by surprise for them. Look, I don't I don't honestly think that some people at the ECB wanted Richard Thompson to be chairman did they? I mean I because he's been outspoken about, their, about that tournament and, and, and that tournament is very close to some people's hearts there. But um, apparently this is, you know, the, the counties wanted, the counties insisted upon this for the reasons we've outlined, but um, that they feel that their interests have not been representative late because of the creation of an independent board. And a board, actually, that um, Richard Thompson walked away from in, I think, 2017. Him and Andy Nash of Somerset were in despair really at the lack of influence of the counties walked away and and the ten person board does, it lacks cricket acumen I mean Tom Harrison's gone now the chief exec and he played the Derbyshire he had a bit of cricket acumen but um, really there isn't that much there so he he's got a hell of a job on but he's also um, it's very tricky for him now because they they've preempted his appointment by announcing this new TV contract with Sky until 2028 and that appears to have uh, guaranteed the future of the hundred. So does he accept that that's going to be around for five or six years? Does he accept that there's going to be no test cricket on terrestrial? That's probably me being um, delusional, I know, because I t- I'm probably barking up the wrong tree with that one. It's just a pipe dream of mine. But it almost appears like he, he's sort of got a, if he really is adamant that he wants to change things in the short term and he's only got on a five-year contract, he's going to have to unpick all his contractual staffers. Frankly, they've left him with a bit of a minefield, haven't they?
0: We've got Ben Stokes telling hard truths as England captain, more so than pretty much any of his predecessors. He's speaking the truth. Richard Thompson, it, it would appear, is a, another man um, who calls a spade a spade and, and speaks the truth. Can English cricket cope? I mean, is there anything Richard Thompson can do about the 16.4? I mean, it's, it's, it's there and it's set in stone, isn't it, for the next, well, as you said, till 2028? I'm sure. I think he can get rid of it if he wants to.
6: It's a question of whether he does. I mean, we know he didn't like it in the past, but that was with this Surrey hat on. Apparently, he sort of said that he can, he sees the merits of it now. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, I, I would have thought, being honest, that to get this job, you'd have had to sort of pretend to like it a bit, if I'm honest. Look, I know there are people who do like it. I, 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 I've had a real weird bat- battering from people saying that I'm preaching to Generation Y, telling them what they should like, etc. There are case studies out there of people who like this tournament. My son is going to a game. I'm not going to change the locks on the door when he's out. Um, <laughs> my colleague, Jim Hindson, who played for Nottinghamshire, has to accept that he now when he plays cricket on the beach with his son, he has to be Trent Rockets. Kids like it, but it just seems incredibly divided, the world of cricket. OK, it's called an echo chamber, people on Twitter. You know, you, there's a post goes up and there are 100 negative posts about the 100 underneath it. Is it an echo chamber? How? Where does the divide, divide go? Is it 52-48 like Brexit? Is it? How can we sort this out? I, I don't know. I really don't know. But it just I think if Richard Thompson wants to, to get rid of it, I'm sure he'll be diplomatic. He'll say, thank you very much to the 100 for bringing in new followers. I think it's time now to concentrate once again on the 18 counties. I think he could probably do it with the help of an able chief executive like Richard Gould, who was his chief exec. Sorry, Surrey, who's now gone off to be Bristol City chief exec, or somebody like Johnny Graves, who cut his business teeth at the Overborne is now chief executive of the West Indies Cricket Board.
2: Yeah, I mean, coming on to the chief executive, is, is it as simple as Richard Thompson tries to sort of get his man in. Um, I can throw another name in it, and Durham fans won't like it. Tim Bostock, He is, he's done wonders with rebuilding my cricket club to a, a tower of strength now. Um, I wouldn't like to see Tim go, but I think for the best of English cricket, it wouldn't be a bad appointment. How easy would it be to get Richard Thompson's man in? Because surely he is the chair. He needs to, somebody that he can work with to, to, to sort of drive the message for him.
6: Well, I think he definitely will want in his heart. He'd probably want Richard Gould because they worked so well together for seven years at the Oval. Whether Richard Gould wants to move back from Bristol or not, I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, Tim Bostock's done a, a great job at Durham, hasn't he? Um, Daniel Gidney at Lancashire's um, got many admirers, hasn't he? I'm sure they'll find someone, but um, it really, it just, it depends what Richard Thompson wants, doesn't it? He's kept his cards close to his chest of late. He would have had to have said certain things, I think, to persuade um the board of directors to to uh accept him as, as, the, as the person and um we're, we're going to have to see aren't we it's going to be absolutely fascinating
2: what's the first thing on in their intro what do they have to do first of all to get a positive message forward because at the minute there's too many negative things going on around the ecb whether it be the hundred the format where the games are the, the scheduling international scheduling it seems as though every time the sort of ecb is mentioned it's in a negative manner how do they go about making it positive
6: yeah we had an, um, a themed issue a few issues ago is the ecb still fit for purpose i i suggested with a change of leadership perhaps it, it will but there's there's mutterings that the government are not happy with it they're not they're not comfortable with with the ecb as the govern the governors of the english game and um the racism thing is obviously massive um tom harrison it was said that he he reacted too slowly about the Yorkshire scandal they said that you know they they had faith in Yorkshire to resolve the issue themselves and they didn't want to intervene but it took two years really and and I think eventually they still had to intervene and ended up in front of the select committee in the House of Commons so we've seen racism scandals at Yorkshire we've seen now in Scotland um there' have been incidents at Essex so that absolutely is something that um has to be dealt with swiftly and people from all faiths and backgrounds need to feel comfortable with the Games administrators. Uh, the South Asian plan was introduced in 2018 and um, it's the reality, it's the future and uh, anybody who stands in the way of that needs to leave the stage now. Yeah, scheduling, as you say, uh, the, the, the finances of UCB are looking a little bit better at the moment. Um, we had something in the magazine, but it, it's they've bounced back surprisingly well after COVID. Um, They'll have to resolve, if they do carry on with the 100, whether they keep giving each county 1.3 million a year, which is a lot of money, 24 million a year. Uh, Counties, many of the counties are reliant upon that, but apparently that's not stipulated yet in the new TV contract with Sky. So, uh, you know, governance, finance, racism, there's a huge amount in his intro, isn't there?
0: There certainly is. Hugh Turberville will keep a very, very close eye um, and we'll be reading your thoughts. Uh, Do enjoy your editorials. So keep up the good work and many, many thanks for your time. Thanks very much, guys. It's Hugh Turberville, editor of The Cricketer magazine. Uh, And just quickly, uh, to finish this section, Harmi, England amazingly, um, well, amazing to me, I can't believe they missed out on a medal at the Commonwealth Games. Extraordinary, losing to both India and New Zealand in consecutive days. Uh, that was a, a real shock and before we get your thoughts on that um, Nat Siver was asked uh, about r- the possibility of, the, of cricket being included in the Olympic Games
7: The experience at the Commonwealth Games for us has been amazing I think cricket has really taken off a little bit in, in the Commonwealth Games and I think with the with the number of crowds that we've had and, and the, the noise that they've been making and it's just a bit of excitement around it I mean, it's a brilliant sport, so <laughs> it's it's brilliant for people to come and watch and, and hopefully it can be included again.
5: And is it another one of the steps, if you like, up the staircase for women's sport and particularly for you guys?
7: Yeah, I hope so. Um, I guess it's already been a massive summer for women's sport and hopefully it can uh, continue on throughout this summer. But it's it's never really been a better time to, to be playing women's sport. I think I sort of say it every year, gosh, it's like... It, could this be the moment could this be the moment but you never really know until you've looked back really but yeah this is this is special for women's sport
5: and what would you say to the International Olympic Committee looking at cricket for LA
7: I'd love to go to LA <laughs> uh, yeah I th- I, I feel like it's been a success here so um, yeah hopefully they think about it for, for the Olympics
0: That was Nat Siver talking about uh, the possibility of cricket being included in the Olympic Games um, there was only been one occasion when uh, cricket was played the men, men's cricket was played at the Commonwealth Games that was back in 1998 your thoughts on cricket being part of Commonwealth and, and Olympics
2: Yeah it'd be. I think it would be great to push the game globally what are, they play, are they play the players G20 or the player the 16.4 I don't know. I think T20, by 2028, yeah, I would imagine the 16.4 will be put fairly well and truly back in its box. So I think we'd be going down the, the 2020 route. I'd love to see it. Can you imagine? You know, commentating on the, on the Olympics in La- Los Angeles in 2028. But on to, obviously, on onto, onto England and, and, and what Nat was saying. Yeah, I think it would be great to have them. They were, I think they were unfortunate in this tournament just because we've seen in the men's game how important a leader is um, and nothing against Joss, but when you lose Owen Morgan like England did, um it has a knock-on effect and I think the Heather Knight injury I think that that probably cost England a medal because of her leadership qualities not just with performance but actually in in and around the group as well so you know, it, it is it is unfortunate to missed out on the bronze medal or any sort of medal but um, I think it's been good for the for the women's game, having cricket in the Commonwealth Games.
0: You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. As promised, it's time now to hear from England's World Cup winning captain, Owen Morgan, who's been speaking to TalkSport's Sam Allard as part of the Everyone In campaign with KP Snacks, the official team partner of The 100.
8: <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not missing it at all. Uh, I'm really enjoying sitting back, uh, doing some comment- commentary with Sky, and you know, I have a massive interest in the game. I care about how the guys are doing. I want them to do well. I want them to go on and win World Cups. Um, so I've, I've enjoyed stepping back, and um, it's supposed to be entertained. We've got some of the best players in the world. They've played two really strong uh, teams in South Africa and India that have been tough challenges, mm-hmm. and that, that's a good thing going into a World Cup away from home. You know, normally if there was a home World Cup, you want to get better at being out of your comfort zone at home or away. But given the limited ch- chances that England have to play both in in Pakistan and three. Uh, match series against Australia pre-World Cup, I think it's a good thing. It, it, it makes any team, when they lose, ask sensible questions about where they're going and what they're doing. I can see what you're doing well on the Skype, by the way. What an <laughs> answer that was! by the
9: way. You're off to an absolute flyer, aren't you, Owen? No no, um, no, 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 no. you become the world's busiest pundit. You're almost as busy as, as Ali
8: McCoy's is on score. <laughs> No, I'd never be as busy as Ali. I I haven't got quite to the level where you can integrate majority of the football around the year... All of the racing during our yeah. summer and winter around your job. So I actually need to, I need to speak to him. Actually, really, yeah. And well, maybe Big Al has something for us as well. He seems to do all right for himself. He adds in the cricket down in Australia as well. I mean, well, how do you, you do that?
9: You do know he went to Australia. We did the breakfast show from there. Yeah. He didn't actually go to any of the cricket.
8: Yeah, he sat in the pub. That's how good is that? That's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So I've not got to that level. I tell you, I'll, I'll aspire. Yeah. I'm playing a lot of golf. I'm loving watching the cricket. Now I'll, uh, I'll, I'll continue to, to dream. You're made for talk sport, by the way. You like golf, you've just come out of the game, and you're not drinking as well. You're made for a <laughs> breakfast show with Brazil and McCoy. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm made. You know, I used to be sponsored by a rum company, Captain Morgan's, and it was very, very appropriate <laughs> at the time. But um, now, all drinking in moderation, as everybody knows. And um, Brazil and Adam McCoy don't do that. Oh, they really? don't do moderation, they just drink. That's why I work with Sky
9: then, isn't it? <laughs> there was so much talk last year about the 100. Is it going to work? Do we need it in the game? Going into the second year, when you look back on the first year of it, how do you think it, it kind of went down? Do you think it sort of brought in that,
8: that new younger audience that, that maybe it it's, 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 has been created to do? Yeah, it was an extraordinary success. I mean, it blew everybody's mind. I, I knew it was going to be good from the, 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 from its infancy of, of an idea just because we, we miss an iconic international tournament that makes yeah. domestic players household names up and down the country. And the power of the 100 can do that. And it, it should do that. It should provide a platform that catapults somebody into the England team, potentially for the World Cup this year or next next year in India, the 50-over World Cup. So I was delighted. I mean, we, it's easy to overlook the ultimate success that it brought, which was growth in the game and the growth in the women's game was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. The girls put on a real show, the skill level was through the roof, Mm. the attendances were through the roof. And it was brilliant, you know, having double headers on the same day. The, the yeah. men would turn up early, you know, we're all one team. We'd turn up early, watch the girls give it their everything, and then they'd stay behind and, and watch yeah. us play. So there's a real collective within the tournament, there's a sense of, of, of unity going forward. Obviously, the girls are, are delayed start this year with Commonwealth Games going on, so, but I still think it's going to be a raving success. Yeah. It's uh, it's got some of the best yeah. players in the world playing mm. for a short period of time. It's it's fully entertain entertaining, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. And just if I can, one more question on
9: England. Um, Jason Roy is not in the best of form. You know him better than most. Um, is he a streaky player though? We've seen him, haven't we? Under your captaincy, he goes through. <laughs> you're not near, He goes through big patches or bad form, but then all of a sudden plays himself back into form. So there's been some talk he could lose his place in the team. Would you like to see him carry on in the team or do you think maybe a change is needed? No, here I think
8: anybody that's tracked Jason Roy's career from the very beginning, he's a guy who comes in and looks to dominate and not just dominate any attack, but some of the best attacks in the world. And in doing that, you need to take on a huge element of risk. And he does that at a sacrifice to his wicket a lot of the time. And it's so powerful when he goes out and plays in that way. The message it sends to the change room, the message it sends to the opposition, that you know when he's not doing well, England miss it. To the extent where during the World Cup in 2019, where he got injured down at in Southampton, he pulled his hamstring, he was out for a couple of games, we drastically missed him. And the first game he came back, went out with Johnny Beristow, belted India all around Edgbaston, and everybody has obviously a sense of relief. And that's a true such sign of leadership, Great leaders, allow uh, people time to breathe and just to have an extra bit of growth around the side. And Jason Roy is one of those guys at the moment. I think given the timescale between now and the World Cup, he has numerous opportunities in the 100, tour to Pakistan, three games against Australia, (laughs) two more (laughs) warm-up games before he gets to Australia. So actually, it's not that bad a thing. That he's out of form now. He has plenty of time to get back in form.
0: Former England captain Owen Morgan speaking with Talk Sports' Sam Elard as part of uh, the Everyone In campaign with KP Snacks, official team partner of the 100. W- interesting, um, Harmy, that uh, as much as Ben Stokes has been talking about uh, the importance of not reducing the Red Ball schedule and playing more Red Ball cricket and, and focusing on the, the test team, um, th- uh, at a similar time, Mo and Ali was, and and not just Mo. Um, a couple of uh, players have been talking about talking up white ball cricket and and saying that uh, that's where the focus should be, or at least implying that.
2: Yeah, I think Moen's more having a go at the scheduling, as well as obviously the more white ball tournaments that are turning up and the being allowed to play. I think twelve games in twenty-five days in international cricket for me that's not good enough. It's just simply not good enough. We, at the, at the elite level, top level, to give players a chance to recover, prepare, and then go again to to really entertain crowds. Then I think the scheduling needs to be looked at from an international point of view. You know, if you if you're playing domestic cricket, the next level down, you can play games in a short space of time. Not ideally for bodies, but there's a few people with different hats on at this in time. I think largely down to what we're trying to cram in after COVID, um, something's got to give. I don't think Ben Stokes will get his way because I think cricket will be reduced when it comes to the Red Bull game. Um, I'd actually like to see the games be reduced in in numbers from the amount of games played. But I'd like to see first-class cricket be five days and not four days because you're, then you're not getting result pitches because of groundsmen preparing we've seen some green pitches recently if you've got a five-day pitch you can prepare the best pitch possible and the pitch will will naturally deteriorate like a test match and you will then become bring spin spinners into play as the game goes on um, I would like to see 10 first class games per season but have 10 five day first class matches to image to, to mirror the test match um, arena
0: and anybody missed it, uh, this is what Moe and Ali was quoted as saying, um, speaking to ESPN Crick Info, uh, talking about the schedule. It's all over the place at the minute. At the moment, it's not sustainable, in my opinion. Something has to be done because I fear losing the 50-over format in a couple of years because it's almost like the long, boring one, if that makes sense. It's almost like you've got T20s, you've got test matches, which are great, and then the 50-overs is just in the middle. There's no importance given to it at the moment. I think there's too much. Personally, I feel like there's too much going on. It's great in a way because there's always cricket being played, but it should never come in the way of international cricket, in my opinion yeah it's um good luck to richard Thompson. <laughs> well,
7: <I can>
0: <laughs>
2: he's got a lot a lot to sort out um and and the chief executive yes
0: well exactly got exactly i
2: gotta be on it and this is where this is where the frustration comes in i look at a name you mentioned johnny graves johnny graves is he's done wonders for west indies cricket or some people will say um and he's got about 50 employees He's got to come in, if he comes into in, in ECB. He's got 350 employees. He's got to be scratching his head, going, "What on earth do you do? Okay. How do you employ these amount of people?" And we have a scheduling like this, and we're we're in a mess with the amount of the amount of minds that are great minds we should have that put the game in. Oh, I'm off again.
0: <laughs> me, I just want to ask you about uh, the the international league T20, the ILT20. That's the new league starting in the in the UAE in January, February, at the same time as the South African um, new T20 League. So they run concurrently. Um, the, there are six franchises in both leagues. The UAE League is set at the moment to have 12 overseas players, four Emiratis and two from Associate Nation. Um, so, that, you know, that's 72 overseas players. The South African franchises... Uh, We're going to have four overseas players, but because it's owned now by... They're all owned by IPL teams. They've decided that they want 10 out of 17. So that's 72 overseas players in the UAE and 60 in South Africa. Where are they going to get them? And we're talking lots of money. We're talking lots of money. There's all... You know, we read about salary caps and player budgets. Well, I mean, that's just, that's just, just talk. Because, you know, they... They've offered, they offered David Warner half a million dollars. Um, and, uh, you know, where are they going to come from? What, what's how, The game's just tearing itself to pieces.
2: It is. It's tearing itself to pieces from all different directions. <clears throat> I played second-team cricket for Badleton last week because they were really, really short. And I think if one of these UAE teams has got a shirt big enough to fit me, I might put my boots back on. (laughs) Um, I don't know where they're going to get them from. I really don't. How on earth can you have that many overseas? We are going to see some absolute Tom Noddies getting games of cricket in the UAE or in South Africa. I can't imagine it being in South Africa. I think the best will go to South Africa because I think we'll see that as more sustainable long-term. And I think the ones that go to the UAE might sort of burn their bridges with... I don't know. I'm just thinking out aloud here on this one, but there's a lot of boards not prepared to give Nocs for. I think Sri uh, Lanka and Pakistan are turning Nocs down for for some franchises, uh, some franchise tournaments now. But again, the, man, the one with the most money will, you'd think, would win um, because players now are a gun for hire. And what we're seeing is, or what we're hearing is, if David Warner does get that reported half a million. Cricket Australia might be in a bit of trouble because he'd be turning his back on a big bash.
0: You know what? I think the irony f- for me is that... So, the South African League is being run by the franchises and for their benefit. It's not being run for the for the good of South African cricket. There's no philanthropy about this, you know. It, it's about the Rajasthan Royals and the Chennai Super Kings and the Mumbai Indians. That That's what it's, it, it's about. And so, there are six franchises, which means... There are only places for 10 South Africans in the 17-man squad. Um, by the time you put the nationally contracted players in there and other big-name South Africans who aren't nationally contracted, like Faf du Plessis, you're basically going to be down to about 40. There'll be 40 young South African cricketers, and that's it. And, they, and there's 130 professionals in South Africa. So you know, what are they going to do when they don't get a franchise gig in their own country? They'll go to the UAE.
2: Absolutely, and why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Because again, the the, the fee's there, and it might be a touchy subject this one, manners, and I'll throw you a curveball here. But of all that, and we know what's happened with South African cricket over years. You know, England have benefited from it. Kevin came over. The quota systems that are in South African sport, where does that stand up? Does that stand up?
0: Well, it's the the franchises have said no. (laughs) <laughs> it's Money their talks. league. It's their league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, you know, the, they have said, "I'm sorry, we are. We've bought this franchise. We've paid five or ten million dollars uh, for for it, and we want to win. And you, you, we'll pick the players we want to pick." So th- that. That's the reality of it. Cricket South Africa might, might uh, theoretically own 57% of the league, but they're not running it. Um, they're not going to have much of a say. So, finally, we, we're running out of time. I just want to mention that Kyle Abbott signed a new two-year deal with Hampshire, and he's still producing the good, the goods. Um, and he's one Colpak player who's not going to come back to South Africa. So, any performances... Uh, that stand out for you in the Royal London Cup?
2: I think Ollie Robinson double hundred in the Royal London, excellent. Young Jones at Durham got hundred yesterday uh, over the weekend against against a good Middlesex side. So, yeah, there's been some good young young players who are getting a chance in the in the Royal London. So, you know, good on them for for sticking their hand up and putting some performances together. But as I said the hundred is it is what it is, um, and it's entertaining. Um, but. I just can't look by the the collateral damage it's doing to our game, and and that will always be my opinion on it. I'm not anti anti hundred as a concept, but I'm anti hundred because of the the damage that it's doing to the rest of the, the the game in this country.
0: And no international cricket scheduled next year, and and possibly for the foreseeable future during school holidays. I, I just find that it's
2: crazy. That isn't it?
0: that's the most damaging thing for me.
2: Oh mate, don't get me started. I've got a, I've got a bored, 12, 14 year old who. Who I'd, I'd take down to, to to sort of Durham every now and again, and you know watching international cricket on it. That was the that was the summer holidays for me. Getting your scorebook out and sitting there listening to the likes of you know Jeffrey and Tony Lewis and Tony Gregg on when it was on terrestrial TV and scoring for the afternoon when bowlers bowled from one end. I think you were still a, a young man then, back then, man. <laughs> but that was the school holidays. You'd sit there for four or five hours just learning how to score off the back, off the telly, bowling from one end. And now my 14-year-old's not going to watch international cricket in the sort of first half of August in the middle of the school holders. That's sad really is.
0: Indeed. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmson. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week to look ahead uh, to the first test between England and South Africa, which gets underway at Lords on Wednesday. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.